Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast discusses Sunday messages from Pastor Don, looks at the recent news headlines, and any updates on our congregation and upcoming events. Leading the discussion is our church leadership with invited special guests. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Well, all right, this is Scott Kimball. I'm one of the elders here at Bible Fellowship Church, and with me here tonight is fellow elder Bob Wren. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Pretty good evening. Good to have you with us. You. Also with us tonight is our sound engineer, Andrew Kimball. That's me. That's you. That's good. How you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, a little bit closer to my bedtime than normal, but other than yeah. that, I'm doing good. <laughs> my fault. Uh, thought felt like a Friday, so forgot we were recording. Andrew <laughs> called me, so gave me more time to, to do some math. So I guess it's all good. There you go. It all worked out. Well, uh, this will be posted on Friday, so it'll be the day after Thanksgiving. So I hope everybody enjoyed their day yesterday and and uh, and had a good time with the family, and things didn't get uh, too crazy. Hopefully, you got to be with your family. I know a lot of families this year. Are, choosing to stay apart because of COVID and uh, hope that's not you or affecting you. But if it is, uh, just let you know that, you know, we're thinking about you. And uh, I want to encourage the audience out there that uh, if you like what you're hearing here, go ahead and share it. And please on your podcasting app, go ahead and leave a review and let them know, you know, that you like what you're hearing and it'll help us to gain a wider audience. With that out of the way, I want to go ahead and direct our attention to the Sunday message. Uh, this week, we had a message from Pastor Don where he was kind of given a biblical perspective on, uh, I put the title as a biblical perspective on politics for the Christian. And uh, so hopefully uh, that was just posted on Wednesday. So we'll have to see what kind of traction it got. But uh, it was a really good message. So I wanted to start out with uh, Bob and kind of get your take on it, what you thought the theme and the highlights were of the message. Uh, first of all, I want to say, did anybody else besides me not know that Don was a semi-amateur boxer? <laughs> uh, anybody? Because that, that was news to me when Don started talking about um, being an amateur boxer and like boxing, you know, it, on the way to going to the Olympics. I was like, I never knew this about you, man. Yeah, he was like the Southeast Regional Champion for a while. That was that was fantastic. But anyway. yeah, I didn't know he took it that far, but I definitely knew that that boxing was a was something he had done. Oh, it beat Alabama and Georgia. Come on, you yeah. Know? That, that's yep. That's that what I took away from the sermon as well. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it uh, Isaiah thirty two. He started off with um this messianic picture of uh, when Christ finally is ruling and reigning in the messianic kingdom. And uh, there were themes of a righteous king, just princes, uh, refuge, shelter, shade, streams. Um, and, and so it, it was a, a great picture of hope for what's to come. And you know, Isaiah was painting this for the nation of Israel, Judah, Judah and Jerusalem at the time. Uh, and, 
so he was giving you pointing them toward the hope and but he was also flavoring it in with some salt that yeah there's gonna be some bad things in between that before that happens and the way that don tied in our current situation um politically with you don't you don't trust with the government you don't trust um as Jerusalem and Judea were doing at the time. They were trusting Egypt. They were trusting anybody and everybody to help them out of the jam that they were in, the judgment that was coming. Um, and they refused to go to God first. They just weren't going to God first. Whether or not it was an obstinate refusal up front where they consciously made the decision not to go, or if it was just overlooked, you know, they were just doing what men do, which we all do. You know, mm-hmm. we, we go to our, our gut instinct, our reflexes are like, how are we going to solve this problem? We automatically, re- you know, start solving the problem without God in the equation. And uh, his point was um, th- that it's ultimately going to come to ruin and that the things that are happening then were happening then in uh, Jerusalem and Judea have continued to happen again and again and again and again and over and over and over again, right up until the age that we are in. And for anybody who's willing to pay attention to it, we can see it happening. We're being promised all these wonderful things and great things. And these people have the solutions and these people have the solutions. And so far in my life, nobody's ever had the solutions. You know, Mm. every government that's come into power in the United States, and I I come from a political family. My dad was always engaged in it, and therefore I always knew what was going on because he was engaged in it. And and regardless of who won, there there was never any solutions to the problems that we had, even in this democracy and freedom and thing that we have now. And, And then the other thing that I thought was fantastic is how he tied it in with the current Washington Beltway Mm-hmm. With what used to, you know, what was at that time the Beltway of Jerusalem and the land of Judea, and how out of touch the leadership was at that time with the country, and how um, ultimately Jerusalem didn't suffer originally when the Assyrians came in and laid siege to the country, but the rest of the country did. Right. You know, all the outlaying uh, cities of Judea suffered because he he ate them up. Jerusalem didn't, um, but ultimately they did fall when Nebuchadnezzar came in there. And so I thought that <laughs> that was a great insight when he likened that to the Beltway. And I've I've just my hats off to Don how um, throughout this political season that we've been going through, how um, he's really kind of kept us all grounded as a, a body of believers. Um, that our our faith has to be in the God of heaven, the God of creation, his son, Jesus Christ. And regardless of what happens, we're still part of that. You know, we're still part of that. And and so um, Republican, Democrat, whatever, you got to be careful about making your alliances with with all these these other bedfellows that Mm. our, our allegiance belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. and. Um, therefore, uh, I'm going to leave it right there. I'll stop right now because I could go on forever and ever. So, <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts? Oh, what Bob said. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pretty much. I mean, Bob, you nailed it right there. I mean, <laughs> he really did. Uh, the, some of the things that I guess I, I jotted down were, yeah, that essentially what the big takeaway was is that you can't really trust earthly rulers because they're all fools 
but someday, you know, Christ is going to rule and he's going to be the only actual just ruler that you could take at face value. Uh, something else that he kind of parked on for a while was the the politics going on, not just with the rulers, but with their families and with the women in their families and how they were all really comfortable in their power and they were using it to to live, I guess, the life of their dreams and get what they want and, you know, you know, some, some things never change that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess kind of the final thought that I had that might not be just copying Bob was that when the Lord comes back, I think he mentioned this at some point is that not only is the Lord just going to, to rule and reign kind of on his own, but he's going to have rulers leadership under him, kind of like a, a leadership crew or a council or squad that, because they're ruling under the Lord will rule justly and correctly. And will actually finally be, you know, some, some leadership that you could actually take at face value and and actually look towards. Whereas now, like we have some leaders that are better than others, worse than others. and, And so much of it is also based on opinion, but in general and like flat out right here, Isaiah says like, they're all fools and power corrupts. Ultimately, I think Don, kind of drew a picture of you know he that whole dc beltway thing he'd love to see you, you get people that go in there thinking they're going to change the world and they're in there for a couple of years next thing you know they're just like everybody else yeah i think that's true they, they call it potomac fever so when they say when the when the legislator gets elected and goes to washington dc as soon as he crosses the potomac he he gets the illness where he just becomes another politician just like everyone else there yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, my thoughts on the message were were pretty similar to what you guys were thinking, but I couldn't help but think about the the other Christians in our country and and just kind of some of the divisions between the way people view the future. I mean, we come from a dispensational background, so we're viewing the future of Christ's reign as the millennial kingdom to come that Christ will be ruling and reigning, we'll be ruling and reigning with him. Presumably, we'll be the ones that will be the governors or whatever, the national leaders in these other countries, um, because we'll be glorified at that time. Um, whereas the the people living here on, on the earth at that time um, won't be glorified yet. So presumably, we'll, we'll be able to rule and reign without the burden of the flesh still being bothered by sin. So that, that, that kind of makes a a big difference. But anyway, so yeah, I think the, I think the message was really good. I I talked to him a little bit afterwards about it and uh, he was asking me some different questions and I had a really um, good thought about the message, but I can't really remember what it was right now other than what I ended up titling the message, you know, is that it should help us to get the right perspective on the big picture of all this. It's easy to get wrapped up in the the politics of the day and what's going on and debating your side and and everything. And and so it it a message like Sunday's message is a good one because it kind of helps us get in the right plane of thinking where we're not we're not wrapped up in all that. Uh were there any specific aha moments or anything you guys came across as he spoke other than his boxing career? The boxing career really 
was he a hot <laughs> but i mean he went on um to to give a a new testament passage in second corinthians um where he he likened us to having uh this treasure in jars of clay and then we were afflicted we were crushed we were perplexed um these were all things that were going to happen to the people of jerusalem at the time but the, you know the, the ones who were believing the ones who were still hanging tight with the Lord, um, weren't despairing, they weren't forsaken, they weren't destroyed, even though that man's ultimate character was a failure. And he, he drove that home once again, is that ultimately the character of man fails, even in our own day. You know, you think we keep getting more enlightened, more educated, more, more whatever, and you would think that because of all those things, we would be uh, going upward, right? And we would be getting better. Um, but ultimately what we see around us, if we're honest, um, is that the character of man is not only not getting better, it's getting worse. Mm. And, and, and that we are not, we are not excused from that either. We, we, you know, it'd be nice to be able to think of ourselves like, well, if I was there, you know, it, it would be different. You know, I would go in there and I would really shake things up. But the reality of it is, is if I went in there, I would I would be crumbled by this um, system that's there. I would either succumb to it or I would have to leave it because it would just be destroying me. And mm. I, I think we see we, we see both of those things. We see politicians that go in there and that within, you know, four years or six years, they're out of there because, uh, they they don't say anything. They just say, I need to spend more time with my family, which is code word for I, I just can't live in this this corruption right. anymore. And then there's the other guys that that take it on and um, they take on the corruption and, and they take it on with um, a, a sort of a, an air of morality to it. Like this is just how the system works and you have to work within the system. I remember talking to my dad so much about the abortion issue and he was always on to me about being a one a one um uh what's the it's not item one you know my my thing was abortion you know and if right. you if, if um one right. issue one, one issue, issue right yeah, litmus test yep. and, and so if if that was not right then nothing was right and and so he was always on me about that because well that's not how politics is done and, and and I would always be like, well, then I don't want anything to do with it. Right. And and uh, but I I think w we see that is if left the politics left to its own ends is going to be of men and it's going to be corruptible and corrupted and men are going to use it for their own means uh, and to rule and reign over the other people that they are giving government governance over. Um, you know, even if the Lord. You know, you know, in Romans 13, it says God institutes government, government, and he puts them in place and blah, blah, blah. And we use it, you know, they're there to protect us and all of that. And those, all those things are true and to give us a peaceful life. But we can see ultimately where you know, throughout the world where that doesn't always work out so well. Maybe it starts that way, right. but ultimately it ends up with uh, your government killing off millions of people. And so I'm, I'm not saying we're there yet or we're, hey, we're even heading there, that, but that's what we are. And that's what I would do. I, I, unfortunately, that's what I, I would either do that or I would have to get out of that because I'm a man. I'm in flesh. And uh, even, you know, yeah. God's spirit would say, no, you can't be part of this, anymore, which I think would lead us into the article. <laughs> yeah. About yeah, government, for sure. you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there were, um, 
some of it's cyclical. You know, there's a meme that's been going around here again lately, and I've I've heard it before, but I think it starts out that um, what is it? Uh, strong men create good times. Good times creates weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create Create strong strong men. men. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there is a cycle there that, you know, you can kind of see that throughout history. And it happens over a long period of time. So within our lifetime, we might be in that time where we've got weak men and things are kind of going south. Um, You know, but as in, you know, the days of the Revolutionary War and whatnot, you had some some strong men that rose up and fought, you know, to gain us the the freedoms in the country and everything we have now. What, what we've seen in our country, though, specifically since the beginning of the last century, though, is this this idea of this progressive movement. And it's a movement specifically directed. I think it's a it's like a Tower of Babel movement, you know, because it's a movement that's designed to build a um, a great society or a great um world, you know, one world government or whatever. And it's all designed to do it without God. You know, we're, we're going to do it. And, uh, it really does remind me a lot of the tower of Babel story. Um, so anyways, in, in talking about that, you know, I, I gave you guys that it's not really an article. Like I said, it's more of a paper or whatever. Um, I don't know. Did anybody look guys look, see how many pages it was? It was over 30. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was 30 pages of like written content maybe 29 after like the title page because there were a yeah. few pages in the back that were like references and stuff right yeah right. lots of references six pages of uh references yeah <laughs> yeah it was pretty good though and um i thought it was interesting um before i give my thoughts on it though i was just kind of curious you know what your guys's main takeaways were from it I, I I found it hard to follow at the start. I wasn't sure where the guy was going. It's like, I, I like to know where you're going <laughs> sometimes. And I wasn't sure where the guy was going. I, you needed I, an abstract. <laughs> yeah. But um, when he ultimately got to the end, um, he was talking about if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are a believer in what he has revealed about himself in his word, then we know some things. We know some things. We know what he's for and we know what he's against. We know what he wants us to be like and we know what he doesn't want us to be like. And so based on that, as believers in the system in which we are in, which is a two-party democratic system, we have responsibility as a believer to participate in that in in some form. Um, The participation... I was expecting us, him to say we need to be activists and things like that. And, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily saying that, I don't think, when he got to the end. I no. think his point was, is that, you know, we are compelled by our love for neighbors and our desire to steward our God-given responsibilities. And I'm quoting him from that. And we must be, as Christians, engaged in the political process. So our, our motivation needs to be our love for our neighbors and our desire to steward the God-given responsibilities that we have been given. But that doesn't mean that we're, that we're ha- abrasive or... Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Because I think the whole, the whole pushback against Trump has been his abrasiveness. Right. And, and if he had been a little more leader, li- leader-like, you know, more presidential and all of that stuff, 
that a lot of this stuff could have gone away if he could have stayed off the Twitter for crying out loud, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. that a lot of this stuff could have gone away because he has done some really good things. He has pushed back against abortion. He has um, done things that have favored the nation of Israel. He, he's done some really good things. Uh, yep. Biblically speaking, let's forget about all the tax codes and all the other stuff that have to do with finances and money and things like that. Let's just look at the biblical things. And, and I think that those are the real issues. And, and the things that he also did was like uh, the unemployment rates had gone down. So the people who were on the poor end of things were having a step up or having an opportunity to better themselves and all of that. Yep. So I think ultimately he was doing a really good job behind the scenes like that. But his personality and his character just wouldn't allow people to embrace that. I right. mean, it's too bad they didn't. He didn't have a personality that would have um, done things better than that. But then, also in this article, the guy really put a stark um, contrast into what the other side looks like. They're for abortion, mm -hmm. you know. They're for it. They're for these things that are not biblical, like um, you know, um, sexuality issues and things like mm -hmm. that. And so they are diametrically opposed to what believers in God are supposed to be about. And so, you know, the, the real question I think he was asking there is like, how, how come so many of you people out there who claim to be believers in Christ don't have a problem with this? Right. I, I think that was sort of like underneath the surface. He didn't really come out and say it. But it was there. I mean, it, it kept coming back. Like, why aren't you against this, knowing what you know about what the Word of God has said? And, you know, so we, we are left with a couple of um, conclusions. Either people who are claiming to be believers in Christ don't know what the Word of God says, which I think is probably a, a great probability. Some of them, yeah. In sure. a lot of people. Or um, people's politics has become more important than their allegiance to um God. Yeah. So that's, that's my takeaway from it. Yeah, I think that's uh, some good stuff. And that's true. Andrew, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought um, my big takeaway, I guess, was just the, the point he was making that Bob touched on that people, Christian people, uh, religious people, too, I mean, they, they kind of think there's a whole separation of church and state thing. Like, we just shouldn't shouldn't get into it, shouldn't be involved. It's, you know, it's just this kind of toxic thing. Let's just stay out of it. But he he was making the point that if you love your neighbor and if you love the people around you and if you love the world, because by extension, you know, America has such a, a far reach out into the whole world that that by extension, you should be involved in our political system and you should be trying to make a change for, for the better and for like Bob was saying, the, the political, like the biblical issues that, that come up. Um, and so that was kind of the, the main takeaway I took. I, it, it was really long and, <laughs> and I, uh -huh. I didn't, I didn't read a hundred percent of the whole thing. I, I remember he was talking about, there was a, a pastor that he, he didn't name, um, that was trying to, you know, convince his congregation that yes, they should be kind of active in the political system and they should, you know, get involved and do things, but also we're not going to have political events or things 
voter education or things like that on our church property. So like there is kind of that fine line and like, where is the line? I thought it was also kind of interesting at the beginning and probably something that most people in this country need to do is that he kind of just broke down like the origin of the word politics and right. what what politics are and what you know what political actually means and that was very good yeah, yeah so like that kind of stuff i think just on a education level even just taking you know you could even keep that separated from religion and state and stuff is like just people have a very they have a lack of understanding and knowledge on how politics and the political system actually works. And so just education on that would be good. But yeah, my, my main takeaway was just that, yes, the answer isn't necessarily, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to stay out of it. Yeah. You you should, you should do something if you love, and it all comes back to love and, and loving your neighbor, loving people around you, wanting, you know, to, to kind of foster the, the, that loving relationship with the people around you is if, if that's true, then you should be involved and try to promote whatever change would create that. Hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, didn't he describe politics as being us working together with our neighbors to solve common problems? Mm-hmm. That's sort the, like, that's the ideal. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's really what politics is. We think yeah. of it as, is terms of government, but there's actually three aspects to to the realm in which we live. There's government, there's society, and then there's business. And politics affects all three of those because politics is just us debating how we want all that to be ordered. You know, what's Uh, that going to look like? How shall we live under it? You know, that kind of thing. And so political debate, that kind of thing, we typically think of it as in terms of government, but it also affects society. It also affects business. And so it's all interrelated with each other. So Christians shouldn't shy away from the word politics because they view it as this horrible government thing. Well, and yeah, I think politics in general has just kind of become a dirty word. Like people think they think politics and they think Game of Thrones and backstabbing and like this party's going to sneak around and do this thing to this. And like there's all these back, you know, back alley deals and I'm promoting my agenda and all these things. And it's kind of been tainted with that almost like Hollywoodification of, you know, what politics actually is. And when you really get back to the basics of it, yeah, it's like what you were saying, dad, it's just kind of like how things function, but it's kind of taken on this new, darker, twisted meaning. And that's what immediately comes to most people's mind when they hear the word. Right. Well, you know, and ultimately we're, we're thinking of it on a nationwide scale, but you know, they're saying that all politics is local really rang true in this article about how, um, it's about people in your local community working together to solve a problem um, in your loving of, of your neighbors. And so when, so when you say all politics is local, it really is. You mm-hmm. know? And so like I, I went out to vote uh, for the national elections and stood in line for about an hour to vote and all that stuff. This past Tuesday, I had to go out. There was another election because there was a runoff for the um, uh, tax assessor. I yep. just walked right in up to the table. Yep. Uh, up to the table. And, and, and so nobody, you know, there was no, no interest in being involved in this local race that's going to affect us politically, locally, you know, yeah. Yeah, this, this national thing. Well, who knows what that's going to do, but we know this one's going to affect us, you know? And so right. it's like, why weren't we interested in this? one? Right. You know? Nobody, yeah. Nobody cares about it. 
Yeah, I think the total count, there was like 11,000 votes total cast. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the presidential a, election is a is a celebrity battle, so it really is in many ways. So the the um, publication that we're talking about here is called Biblical Principles for Political Engagement, and uh, it's by a, a person named David Clausen, and it's from the Family Research Council. And so I'll I'll post a copy of it on our website uh, so folks can take a look at it if they want to. Um, there's some interesting stuff in it and some, I, you know, it's more educational than anything else. I think there's some good information in it. There's there's an interesting, the, the background of this individual who wrote this is Baptist. And so as far as doctrine and theology and all that, maybe that's a little, you know, might be a little muddy. I don't know. I'm not sure what his doctrinal beliefs are, but um you know, one of the things I, what kind of brought me down this road was, as I got to thinking after Sunday's message, you know, what, what is the framework? We talked about this a little bit last week, you know, the lenses you look through as you're, as you're kind of interpreting what's going on around you and life and everything. And, and we, in, in scripture, we have a thing called a hermeneutic that we follow when we study scripture and it helps guide us through scripture so that we come out with the right meaning when we get to the end of it. Well, in politics, we don't really have a hermeneutic. So I did a bunch of searching around looking for a hermeneutic, a Christian hermeneutic for politics. And I did find some publications out there and there's several people that have written on it. And this was this um, publication I found was kind of in that vein, although they didn't call it a hermeneutic. But there are some publications out there, hermeneutic, and it's interesting, based on the theological background of the person writing it, changes the hermeneutic completely. So if it's somebody (laughs) who's reformed and they believe that we are in the kingdom now, they have a completely different hermeneutic on how we should engage and be involved in politics as opposed to somebody like us who are dispensational and and we have a completely different view on on our view of politics. taken to the extreme, a lot of dispensationalists do what they were talking about in this article. We just don't participate. We figure it's all going to pot anyway. Why bother? Um, which is the wrong take. I mean, we don't, we may be in the end times right now. The end times may not, you know, the, the tribulation, all that may not occur for another thousand years. We don't know. And just to let society fall apart and tank because we say, oh, well, I guess it, the Lord's day is coming. We may as well just let it, let it go. Um, you know, what, what's that say about what we're leaving for our children and grandchildren? You know, we have a responsibility. I mean, that's, um, that was the problem with the Thessalonians, you know, Paul was writing the letter. Exactly. Thessalonians because they had just settled down and said, it's on the way, you know? Right. Christ yeah. is going to return. There's no yeah. sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, no sense interesting, the guy did, uh, he quoted the guy, um, that was head of the Southern, uh, Baptist theological, uh, using that word hermeneutic. With mm-hmm. regard to politics yep. and how you interpreted political statements and things like that, and I had yep. never thought about applying a hermeneutic to that type of thing too. But you have to, mm-hmm. you know, you you apply hermeneutics to everything that you interpret. Exactly. So you you would have to do that. So that would that was an aha moment when I read that word hermeneutic with regard to this. Yeah, kind of what I'd like to do is I'd like us to continue to have discussions about this in church and whatnot, and maybe come up with, maybe when Dr. Cohn's here next spring or whatever, kind of pick his brain on it too, but, you know, maybe come up with something and publish something, you know, a biblical hermeneutic from a dispensational point of view on politics, you know, 
Because part of the problem we have in our country right now that I see is we have so many Christians on the left and on the right, you know, that are Democrats or Republicans or whatever. There doesn't seem to be any cohesiveness in Christianity. And it's because we don't have a common hermeneutic that we gauge all this stuff by. We say, oh, well, yeah, you know, we gauge everything by the Bible. Um, but do we? I mean, do we really? And if our hermeneutic in Scripture is not correct, then you're applying incorrect thinking from Scripture to political situations. No wonder our politics are so messed up. I guess that's how you can come out of it saying Jesus was a communist. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Or why so many Christians that are on the left can support a party that is pro-abortion. Yeah. You know, how, how, do you, <laughs> how does that work? How does know? that? Yeah, exactly. How does that? I mean, that's unfathomable to you and me. But I know people who are very strong believers in Christ who don't seem to have any problem with that. They they think that the the caring aspect of the Democrat Party wanting to help the poor and all that and the needy and everything with welfare programs and whatnot is is worth is worth it somehow. I, I don't know. I, I, I just can't wrap my brain around that. But. Somehow it offsets the murder, I guess. But uh, Yeah, not that not that all Republicans are Christian because they for sure are oh not. No. Oh, no. But um, and not that all Christians su- should support every Republican policy because not every Republican policy is good. But I think, like I said in the previous podcast, you know, we have to be looking at the policies that both sides are putting out. And if the Democrats happen to put out a good policy that makes sense, hey, great. Let's go. You know, I think he, I think it was in this paper here. He was talking about the 1968 Civil Rights Act, you know, and how Republicans and Democrats came together in overwhelming numbers to pass that because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, and, and there are moments like that in our in our country's history where, you know, politics kind of gets set aside for a minute. They're not worried about who's going to score points with who. And uh, they just do decide to do the right thing for whatever reason that day. Doesn't happen often, though, unfortunately. Less and less, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you especially see it now with COVID and all the fighting going on between the Republicans and Democrats. And it's obvious they're not doing what's right for the American people. They're just trying to score political points with each other. And uh, so, you know, meanwhile, we all suffer. So back to the Sunday message, (laughs) you know, while the leadership's doing their thing, all the people suffer. So. So I guess we're outside the beltway then. (laughs) Yeah, we're not invited to those cocktail parties. So anyways. Yeah, good stuff. Well, all righty. Let's see here. Upcoming announcements we have. Uh, The men's breakfasts are finished and we're not going to have any more until probably sometime late January, February time. So we'll we'll start them back up then once we get past the holiday season. Um, I did put an announcement in here about uh, church maintenance and uh, been talking uh, with Pastor Don about trying to get some things taken care of around the church. And we've been kind of picking away at some stuff here and there. And we usually do a work day, you know, a couple times a year. But I think this time around, because of COVID, uh, we're just going to try to come up with a list of things that need to be done and that men and women who are interested in helping off that list can kind of take charge of a project and and see it through on their own time, uh, you know, when they have an opportunity to come get it done instead of trying to get everybody together to have a big work day. So. That sounds, um, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, so we'll we'll try to get something rolling there. Uh, were there any other announcements or anything you guys knew of that we need to talk about? Okay, good. All right. Well, then the last thing I want to do here is uh, challenge our audience to continue to pray. Pray for our country. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Uh, pray for your pastor. 
and also pray that uh, the Lord will give you an opportunity to invite folks to church this next week and uh, be looking for it. You know, the, those opportunities will will come. You'll bump into somebody and start strike up a conversation and and you'll walk away from that conversation going, oh, that was the one I should have I should have invited that person. You know, everything was there, but I just didn't just didn't take advantage of it. So uh, success happens when opportunity and preparedness meet. So you need to be uh, need to be ready when that when God gives you that opportunity to follow through. Uh, with that, uh, Bob, would you close us out in prayer tonight? Absolutely. Father, I pray that we would constantly have you as the uh, the priority in our thoughts and in our heart, and that you would always be foremost in our minds and in our heart. And so that as we approach the, the things in life that we come up against, that we would always look at it through the lens of you and what you've promised us, and that we would always be consulting you, that we would always be part of you, always be searching out your spirit, walking by your spirit, um, and looking for those opportunities that you give us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.